Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. With Arsenal, City and United all taking three points this weekend, Liverpool failed to do the same as they leave Anfield with just a point against Chelsea. A win would have put them in the top four, but a draw leaves the Reds six in the table on 23 points. The game went back and forth with each side creating chances. Mo Salah continues his hot start to the season with a cool finish to put Liverpool ahead, but couldn't hold on as William put on the best cross of his life to even score. So here to talk about the game, I've got a Liverpool fan, Jeff Hallett. Jeff, what's going on? Am I still a Liverpool fan? <laughs> I wonder about that sometimes. Yeah, it's uh, sometimes, yeah, yeah. Doing great. Uh, I'm in a, a 2x disappointment weekend with my sports teams. Notre Dame had to, of course, lay the egg last night and Liverpool Did yesterday as well. Was, uh, oh, yeah. yeah it's, it's lovely. Lovely. Well, Liverpool again, laying a bit of an egg. But uh, I've also got a Chelsea fan on here, Marcus Awerko. Marcus, what's going on? How you doing, guys? Jeff, Joey, nice to meet you. Doing good. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the game. Um, so looking forward to it. Yeah, let's just go ahead and get right into it, guys. Uh, Marcus, we'll go to you first. you think that was a fair result? Um, honestly, yeah. Uh, for Chelsea, we kind of lucked out to get out with that with that draw. I'd say the game mostly was kind of played in Liverpool's favor. Um, I thought Liverpool kept pretty good possession of the ball. Chelsea kind of looked like they were playing more with a back five versus a back three the entire time. You kind of saw uh, um, Alonso pushing a little bit um, more back more than usual, but um, overall, I think it was a fair result. Uh, I will say, though, on record, I think that William Goal was a shot, not a cross. <laughs> right off the bat. you're going to say that. He happens to agree. <laughs> oh, man, so, Jeff. Jeff, your idea, your thoughts on the game, was it a fair result or what? Yeah, I don't think you could say anything different, right? Both teams had their own strengths. Both teams took their own shot at carving each other up, and they did. A lot of opportunities for Chelsea in the first half that Liverpool at the end were able to defend the patchwork back line that we have between Clavon and Matip. Uh, it was good to see Matip come back. I think he performed yeah. decently well. But it, it was just a classic Liverpool-Chelsea match, right? At Anfield, mm-hmm. Liverpool That's had That's what Marcus texted since. me, too. Yeah. Literally right after the game, he just goes typical yeah. Liverpool to, to give that goal up late, so... Yeah, low scoring. It felt like, I don't know, 15, 16, that, that era where neither side could really scratch goal across. And, right. you know, difference in the game is just, you know, one awesome assist from Phil inside the box and only in sl- shot slash cross. Yeah, I think Chambo got that last touch, too, after it was to him. But, um, I mean, Jeff, I'm going to come back to you real quick because Mane didn't start. So, and Firmino didn't start as well. So it was. It was interesting going into that game, as big of a game as it was, and two of our better players, potentially two of our most consistent players this season, aside from Salah, did not start the game. What was your thoughts on the starting lineup? It it was nice to see Ox get in there, but still threw me for a bit of a surprise. Well, that Klopp is actually rotating. (laughs) That's a lovely surprise. It can be, anyway. It was clear that he was trying to rest both Firmino and, and, and Mane, coming off of Sevilla and that emotional disappointment of 
given up a three goal lead at half. So I, I think there was some method behind that madness, but it, it was unfortunate for our side for our attack. Although Salah continues to set pace in the Premier League, uh, most of them, most number of goals and his, you know, offensive output obviously is, is yeah. setting the pace for everyone. So he attracted plenty of attention on his own, but it would have been ideal if we saw Bobby and and Mane in that as well. I got to jump in and say I'm extremely <laughs> impressed with Salah. I mean, I know I had a conversation with Joey a while back at the beginning of the season where we were arguing about if Salah was a top five winger in the world, and I can confidently say he's in that uh, he's in that category. I mean. Getting to sit down and actually watch him for 90 minutes. I got to admit, like, I never really got to watch a full game of him play this season. Um, but watching him for 90 minutes, I mean, he just looked Im- so impressive. I mean, the speed with the ball, his skill, like, his, he's so calm on the ball. You saw right when the game started, he took, like, three, four shots right off the bat. They right. weren't on target, but you could see the confidence is there. You could see, you know, that he's feeling the way he's playing. You know, he's playing phenomenal. Yeah, and that was definitely what was lacking at Chelsea, you know, coming to the side as a kid and not having really any confidence to kind of show your stuff. And I think even Lampard said after the game, you know, he had still somewhat of the same skills, maybe not fully grown yet, but his touch on the ball and his pace. But now, you know, he's coming to Liverpool as a starter, coming to, you know, show his worth and and prove a point. So he's just been insane for this season. I mean, what is it, 11 goals now or something like that? Just he's on on top of the charts in terms of, scoring and he's a winger so it's just crazy to see uh, i know Morata's doing really well i know kane's doing really well but a, a winger right now is, is the leading scorer in the premier league so it's it's pretty cool to see at least from a liverpool point of uh, point of view so marcus before we, we move along i just i want to hear your thoughts on your starting lineup too and maybe throw a little bit of david louise talk in there because i've been very confused with kind of what that relationship is is it just that conte's a hard ass and he's just not liking what Louise has done for him. I mean, he, he had a great season last season. I know uh, you're obviously going to talk about Christensen too, because he has just mm-hmm. been playing some really, really good football this season. Yeah. So just to start off, I, I like to say I kind of I do like the starting lineup that he played. Um, I think it was good to see a little bit of a rotation. You know, we had uh, nine returning players of the eleven that played in Carabag. Um, I just wish he actually had made the rotation in the game against Carabag versus today's game. I think we could have gotten away with playing a few a few other guys like Musanda or maybe even Ampadu and Drinkwater that game versus playing them in this game. I feel like if we had the opportunity to play Fabregas instead of Drinkwater, yeah. that would have unlocked completely dimension different dimension to the game. Where I think Fabregas is better forward and playing you know Hazard into dangerous positions, getting Murata the ball at his foot. I don't think Drinkwater's there yet, or he, if he ever will, because I mean he's kind of old, so I don't know if he's going to be able to develop that. But I mean, I think Drinkwater is one of those players where he can hold his own in a Premier League match, but he's not going to do anything special for you. And I don't think you start him in a game like this. That's kind of my only upset uh, thing I was upset with from this lineup. I want to do say that um, I think Zapacosta is showing very, very well for yeah, Chelsea this year. I think I think he was a very under the radar signing, and no no one really was like you know they're they're like who's this guy coming from Italy? No one really knows him, but he has had a phenomenal uh, season so far with Chelsea with the time he's got. But it's kind of kind of going to go away because Victor Moses coming back. Soon. I was just going to mention that. Yeah, do you think Moses comes back in and starts over him? I mean, he's been playing really Not- well there. Not right away. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for Moses to to get back into the swing of things from being out so long. But so back to going back to David Luiz and this whole center back situation. So our our center three right now was Cahill, Christensen in the center, and Azpilicueta on the right. 
Um, I think Cahill should get dropped. And that's literally our captain. And I think Aspilicueta should be the one with the captain ban. He commands that line the best in the back. But eventually, yeah, I think I think our, our back line eventually is going to be Rudiger, Christensen, and Aspilicueta. Um, but I think this whole situation with Davi Luiz is a little interesting because Chelsea spent a lot of money to bring him back. And everybody knows what he brings on into the team. He's a little bit of a goofball. He's a little bit of a nutcase. He's going to bring a good environment, but sometimes his antics can lead up to certain events. And I think that on the field, he's more of a defensive midfielder than he is a center back and a back three. Um, so I think that like the way Conte plays, I just don't think Conte is about having to deal with any of his games. He's just like, well, here's the thing. Conte's a serious, serious person. He's not about, like, you know, screwing around and, and goofing off. He's very, very serious with his training and his locker room environment. So I don't just don't think, uh, like, David Luiz's personality is the right fit. So I'm not surprised to hear that there's a little bit of a rift between them. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him move along considering he's hitting that above 30. And we know how we know how Chelsea is with their over 30 players. Right, yeah, exactly. Um Going back to what you were just mentioning with Fabregas and how he came on and changed the game, obviously William did as well with the goal. How, how have you felt about Conte and, and his substitutions this game? And he, he obviously seemed to have gotten it right just because you know the second Fabregas came on, you could see that he made an immediate difference. Yeah, I mean, I think the substitutions should have come maybe five minutes, ten minutes earlier. Um, I think they came in like the 70s or 80s. Yeah. 74th, 77th, 83rd. I think those subs should have started coming in at 65 at least. Um, one thing that angers me with Conte is I feel like he's a little too reactionary versus being proactive. Like he'll wait for the game to happen and then he sees something's happen- not working and then he'll change it. I feel like you, you've got to kind of like try to anticipate things like that better. Um, and make those subs a little sooner versus leaving like a guy like Drinkwater, who's clearly not going to offer you something on the attack when you're down 1-0. The guy's not going to offer you something in attack. He's he's more of like a stabilizer midfield. Um, so I would have wished to see them a little bit earlier. Um, obviously, the Willian substitution was phenomenal. Um, kind of came on, and you can immediately see his confidence on the ball. Um, and he he just took over, and that goal was. You know, I was actually really shocked to see that ball go in because I was expecting a cross. And I went through and I rewatched those videos of his clip. And you can see that, one, his toes aren't curling around the ball, so he's not trying to whip it back across. Two, he's chopping at the ball. And three, his eyes, when he looks up, are looking at the corner. That's why I think it's a shot, not a cross. But um, lastly, the last substitution was um, – the last one was Pedro, Pedro and – yeah, Pedro is Pedro. He's always going to uh, show well and be aggressive. Um, nothing really jumped off the page with that. But I think he made the three proper substitutions. If I look at the bench, those are the three guys you go with in the situations that they were in. Jeff, over to you in terms of substitution. Something we've been talking about over this past season is Klopp and when he brings on his subs and, and how he chooses to use them. Two really late subs. He took off Sturridge pretty early for Wijnaldum in the 66th. Um, but Lalani even coming on, I mean, he only had five minutes. He did not look bright after, I mean, yes, it's obviously his first game after an injury and in, I don't know how many months it's been now, but he, he did not look very good coming on. So maybe a little bit about uh, Klopp's, choice, Klopp's choices of substitutions. And then since Marcus went ahead and mentioned the Willian goal, maybe just go ahead and talk about that. And should Migs have been a little bit better on that play? Migs. Oh, got it. Okay. Um, 
yeah, we got sort of the opposite problem to Marcus and what he described about Chelsea. So obviously Klopp loves to substitute super, super late where it's no longer effective. And in this match, you had a visceral reaction from his best striker or best <laughs> top two ring, winger between he and Salah and Mane. He's frustrated. Yeah. Barely bro- broke a sweat, couldn't be effective in the game. So in terms of the substitutions, it is what it is with Klopp. Uh, you'll see him ease players in that have been out or in Mane's case that have been, you know, in a very emotional match just a few days ago in Europe and with the commute and everything, he's trying to ease him back in. But none of the substitutions were that effective. I thought Wijnaldum was a lone exception to that. I thought he was decent. Certainly a big pickup from Sevilla uh, for most of these guys. And, you know, for Mignolet and on the shot for Mullian, I don't think Mignolet could have been in a better position. I'm not a goalkeeper. Maybe there's a goalkeeper that's got a different take on that. But Mignolet wasn't the problem. As with Klopp's philosophy with crosses, you got to stop the cross from happening. And no shock, it was happening on Moreno and Clavon's side in their care. So, yeah. yeah, it's Fabregas coming on and just dictating the game late on. Really, I think, hurt Liverpool in that game in, in terms of allowing Chelsea to get back into it because Chelsea were really pushing the last 15, 20 minutes of that game. And Liverpool were just, all right, let's just sit back, see if we can work on the break, which almost happened a couple of times. I know uh, Salah had a break. I think it hit Cahill's the back of his heel on, on one of those counters late in the game, which which could have put Liverpool up too. Uh, so Klopp changing his tactics and kind of late in the game where, all right, now let's just sit back where sometimes you think just continue to be who you are, keep pressing high, keep attacking because that's what got you into the game in the first place and gave you the lead. So Liverpool, especially coming, you know, now coming off the Sevilla game with letting in three late and then not late, but in the second half and then losing the lead to Chelsea makes you question a couple things perhaps, you know, and just how Liverpool need to adjust their tactics, you know, when they're up and, and not necessarily just sit back all the time and let the other team attack and just do what got you there in the first place. So it, it was definitely a huge bummer, I think, coming out of that game with just one point. Uh, I know Marcus believes that was a shot and I get that hooked <laughs> up in the corner. I think maybe he's just trying to chip it to the far corner just to see what happened. Um, but I don't, I, I'm not sure it was intentionally shot. And again, I agree with you, Jeff, that I don't necessarily think Minule could have done really any better on that, but it just, I don't know. You just, even though Courtois is a superior keeper, he does have those two, three inches and you just, Minule was just fingertips away. So I guess it's just looking at nitpicking every little thing with him now since we've had him for years um, and kind of just know what he is at this point. So, um, Amen. Really isn't much more to say about it, yeah, right? You just can't do too much more. But uh, anyways, before we move on, uh, any other players you wanted to highlight, Jeff, and then Marcus will get to you on the, on the Chelsea side or if you've seen any on the Liverpool side as well. But uh, Jeff, anyone else you wanted to highlight in this game? I, I thought Moreno had another excellent game today, though. I, I mean, he's just continuing to be surprisingly one of the best left backs and most consistent left backs in the Premier League this season. Uh, and, and he had another good performance. Except for during the week versus Sevilla, which don't ever start. Yeah, but that versus, was only yeah. just one. I mean, listen, I, I get know it. He had one mistake, and he, he also played well on the guy. I think Sevilla is just cursed. Europa League like, final. He just needs again. to never play Sevilla ever again. But yeah, yeah, that's um, that's the lesson learned on that. Anyway, um, it, so for one, to your point, Moreno was good that Klopp trusted him when the world's given him, you know, like Liverpool nations back to he sucks, and we shouldn't have sweeping generalizations one way or the other with players, but fans can't help it; they emote so. 
there we go with Moreno. They a lot of them having PTSD from it's true from yeah. Europa League final in sixteen, and who could blame him? But he just had a really really tough match, and Klopp, you know, so he didn't have his psychosis going to the toilet. He started him, and he showed his confidence, and Moreno showed as a result a positive response from him. I think that'll naturally play very well to Liverpool going forward through the rest of the year, given his form this year. But there's no question that you've got to get Robertson rotated in somehow. Yeah, like, at some point. Not sure. playing in the cup, you know, domestic cup games, not playing in Champions League. He's got to play somewhere. And, you know, I understand Moreno's had a fantastic season. You want to, after all years he's been struggling at Liverpool for him to, sh- to come good. He has. Now let's get a little rotation in for the second half. I think it just makes natural sense. Yeah, absolutely. Were there any Chelsea players maybe now that you've – because I know we don't watch Chelsea every single week, you know, 90 minutes. Uh, were there any players that you were either surprised with or maybe a little disappointed in this game? Uh, disappointed in, no. Uh, I, I was impressed with what I've, I've been seeing this all year from Murata, um, the combination of Murata and Hazard, how they're fed by that midfield, by Conte, by – Fabregas when he was on earlier. Uh, so I'm impressed with the precision of the passing, the movement. And I think that's every Chelsea fan for you. And the back line was steady in this game. I mean, we got precious one opportunity, a lot of shots on target and on goal, but only one got in. So they're doing something right in the back. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what pretty much they've been known for, at least for a little while, especially under Conte. So Marcus, Want to talk a little bit about that as well? Uh, your your thoughts on your performance, your team's overall performance this game? Any players that stuck out to you uh, on, on the Chelsea side, and then as well, anyone who maybe now that you saw Liverpool again, it might be the same thing where you're not watching Liverpool every single week for 90 minutes. Anyone besides Salah that you saw that you was you were impressed with, or maybe anyone that you were you know looking at just being like, oh, he should not be in that starting eleven. Hmm. Um. So, first of all, I want to highlight Eden Hazard's performance. I mean, the dude looked like he could take on the world. You saw from the first minute of the game, he gets the ball, doesn't move, dazzles one player, then gets past two more defenders, and then the third. And, like, it was over and over and over, ball to Hazard, and he was going. I have not seen him this confident on the ball since the 2013 season when uh, when – he had, a, he, I think he had like the man of the year at Chelsea. I mean, he is playing unbelievable soccer. He had a 9.05 rating for that game. Um, I mean, he, he was by far the standout performer for Chelsea. Otherwise, I'd like to highlight uh, Bakayoko just in general, his season. I think he's coming along very well, um, but he is lacking a little bit of discipline. He kind of makes sometimes the wrong decisions. Um, but with a little bit more training with Conte, he'll be fine. And then also I wanted to highlight um, Ox um, on for Liverpool. I think he does not fit into the central midfield. I can't see him working in the middle. I think he looks a little lost at times. Um, I think he's best played out wide, and I'm actually pretty thankful Chelsea didn't pick him up this summer, even though I was pretty bummed out when we didn't get him. Um, I think – even though, you know, what I had to say for drink water, I, I'd still take drink water over Ox for that center midfielder position um, any day. And then, you know, for, for all the conversations that Joey, you and I have had about Liverpool, you know, that, that back four, something's got to get worked out. I mean, Klavan is not a Premier League center back. It's just that simple. You know, he, he, he is not good enough to compete at this level. Um, there's, there's, you know, 
many of others that I could name. I mean, Tyrone Mings at Bournemouth, even Nathan Ake. I mean, those are those are guys that I would take over the, over Klavan. He just looks um, slow and kind of not up to the task. Um, and then generally, I was actually really, really surprised, um, again, with Salah, how well he played. Um, and, man, last comment, Sturridge looked a shell of his older self. He looks like he lost a step or two. Um, and, and it's kind of sad to see where, where he was and where he's now. Yeah, you just catching on to that, too, because you're seeing him. I mean, he doesn't start very often, but when he does, it's um, it's kind of the same reaction we have is that he just looks a bit of a shell of himself. It, it, just like you said, it's sad to see. Um, he's there because he's still got that clinical finishing ability. So he's, that's why he's on the pitch, you know, and maybe there was a little bit of something having played at Chelsea before it's, you know, his former club, maybe get him on the pitch, see if something happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, he's still maybe a little bit faster than Firmino. Maybe. I mean, we don't have the, the paciest number nines, I guess you would say, even though we got some of the best wingers in the premier league. Um, but that's the thing is, we don't really need that. It's as much as we'd like a, you know, 25 goal striker in the Premier League right now. It's the wingers that are actually doing it for us because Firmino, I, I really wish that Firmino started because I know we've talked a lot about Firmino, uh, you and I have, and I've been trying to just express to you, you know, what he does for the team. And it's tough if you don't watch Liverpool in and out to see kind of what he does, but he's the reason why Salah and Mane were doing, have been doing so well, I think, in this season. So it was a bummer that both those guys didn't start. Yeah, I mean, I think Firmino fits much better with the team when he starts because he can sit back as like a false nine and let those two wingers push up a little bit more. And I think that's where Liverpool thrives is when when they have Firmino almost sitting in as like a false nine striker um, and and holding that ball up for them. Absolutely. So let's go ahead, guys, get into the seat index. All right. So something that got you out of your seat, got you maybe jumping up at the TV screen this weekend and then something that got you slouching back, something that uh, got you pretty bummed out, bummed out. Jeff, what do you got for the seat index this week, man? Seat index. Okay. So positive seat index because we got to begin with the positive first, properly sandwiched the negative. My positive was Salah not celebrating, just holding up yeah. his hands in solidarity with his home country and all you know, the terrorist attack there. But that was awesome, and obviously his talent and his quality on the pitch paces everybody else on in that front line attack when pretty talented set of guys. So pretty cool. And then my negative, unfortunately, consistent with the midweek versus Sevilla, it's Moreno Claban. It's our back line. You could throw all back five in there at the same breath. Although Moreno gave us a better performance, although Henderson showed up for this match because he really had to. Still really isn't much to talk about. I mean, <laughs> nothing to – you just bemoan the back line of Liverpool. That's what we're used to doing. Yeah, it's kind of just rinse and repeat for sure, This especially this season with this back line. And, you know, Klavan is starting over Lovren right now, which is telling you all you need to know. So um, that's kind of where <laughs> we're at. Marcus, what about you, man? Something that got you excited, some positive, or, and then your negative of the week? Um, I'd say the positive has got to be the Willian goal. Not only just the style that it was scored, but I'm I'm kind of happy to see Willian playing with confidence and and playing well. He kind of went through a bit of a rough stretch with his mother passing, um, and he really his his form had dipped. Um, but I'm I'm thrilled to see that he's starting to uh, mentally get back in the game and, and really helping Chelsea play at their best because when he's at his best. Chelsea is at its best. So really thrilled to see uh, Willian playing well again. And then I'd say the low would probably have to be the drink water performance. 
Um, back to, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier. I just I, I don't think that he was the right person to start in this game. Um, I think Fabregas would have been the one. And I wish that Conte had, you know, gotten him in the game uh, against Carabag um, and then rested Fabregas that game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also just really quickly before I get into mine, I know you're talking about Baka Yoko, but I didn't think he had that great of a game. And I know you didn't think Drinkwater did either. They don't play together typically, though, right? I thought it was, you know, I thought, is, does Fabregas, is he more of that, that third role? Or is it, I thought you guys played with kind of a pivot with Conte and Bakayoko, which is them two in the center of the, of the pitch. But I thought Bakayoko had a really poor game. Uh, yeah, I would say he did, too. Uh, he, uh, he had a few fouls that I didn't really think that he should have been committing himself to. Um, and he had some bad turnovers um, and kind of looked a little bit lost. But, yeah, I think that just bo- that's just boils down to his lack of, like, really partnership or playing much with Drinkwater. Um, I think he works better when it's Fabregas playing the point and Bakayoko and Conte alongside each other uh, versus this past game was uh, Conte at the point and Bakayoko and Drinkwater playing next to each other. Um, so I think that maybe the next game his performance is going to be a little bit better when he's back with his original three. Yeah, I think so as well, even though I probably will not be watching it because, you know, <laughs> rent boys. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, I'd have to say my positive was uh, you, could, you could just go easy, you know, Salah's form. Uh, but I, I still think Moreno's just playing really well, and I know that any little mistake, he's going to get scape, just become the scapegoat just because of how – he has been perceived in the past and how he didn't have the greatest year last year. And I feel like everyone's just waiting for something to happen. But again, he just puts in another good performance. He's got an engine. He, his past success percentage has been amazing. He's been creating chances from the left back position. I just, he's been keeping Robertson out of the, out of the starting lineup. And he, you know, Robertson had a, a really good couple showings for us. So really happy with how Moreno's been doing. The negative is that Mane didn't start. Uh, yeah, I can maybe understand Firmino. Firmino's been playing a lot for Liverpool lately and maybe just needed that rest and I can maybe understand the Sturge going in for him but um, Mane just it's a little ironic because I, I would you know I love to see Ox play and I want to see him get more minutes and, and start to see how he's going to work into this team eventually but at least for this game that meant Mane was out and I would have much rather had Mane start that game so that was kind of my negative and just Klopp's lineup um, even though it was working for you know most of the game so Seed index, there you go. Uh, gents, any other last words before we head out of here? Uh, I mean, it leaves the table. City's obviously running away with it this year. I think everyone is has accepted that. What I think Chelsea's now 11 points behind City. So, uh, you know, it's in Liverpool, what is now 14 behind City. So maybe uh, United could catch them, but it, it's just looking like one and two might be getting locked up pretty soon and it's going to be a battle for third and fourth. Any other uh, last words on how the table is looking, how the season's shaping up? So it seems to be a battle shaping up to be for third and fourth. United, to your point, Joey, is like owning that second place. Liverpool's like six points off of them for second place. So I think that's quickly getting out of reach with the number of games left. Anything can happen in the Premier League, and it's not that much, but it's a appreciable distance at this point of the year. So I think it's really a battle for, you know, between Chelsea and Arsenal, who can solidify third. Chelsea move into the third position, then it's battling for scraps of fourth and, you know, playing in qualification for Champions League like we did this year or so. And 
it's going to be a battle with you know Spurs, Arsenal, Liverpool, all fighting for fourth place. Yeah, and Spurs just drop points, just like you said. Anything can happen in the Premier League. I mean, Burnley are sitting on 22 points right now in seventh, and Watford in eighth. Hell, you know, Brighton is sitting ninth right now. Newly promoted team Huddersfield is in 11th. David Wagner, there you go. So, I mean, it looks like pretty much just like you said, anything can happen. It's going to be you never want to judge anything, even you know this early in the season, even though we are a little over the third of the way through. Uh, but I mean. It has been a very, very interesting season so far. Uh, it's going to be kind of a bummer, I think, Marcus, that it seems like it's not going to be coming down to a title race. Uh, maybe it's just going to be the exciting thing is going to be the race for, for fourth maybe this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that it's just like you were saying, it's going to be a battle for, for those um, qualification spots in Europe. But I, I think that I think City has got it locked, um, like just like both of you were saying. Um, and if you look at the table – you got Everton sitting in 16. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. <laughs> I felt like that would be pretty poignant to mention that. <laughs> oh, they are so brutal right now. It's great. Newcastle at 14th. Um, Leicester, who were champions a few years ago at 12. Like, I mean, you've got teams that you'd expect more. Even Southampton at 10th. Like, yeah. you expect more out of teams like this. This has opened up opportunities for guys like Burnley, Watford, Brighton to, to you know, creep up there and maybe grab that sixth or fifth spot. Um, and honestly, I, I think that the way it looks right now, um, I think Chelsea are going to be solid with the European, uh, with the European spot, either, either that three or four Arsenal seem that they kind of just look like they're not up to the task this year, just like they always are when it comes to spend finishing in fourth. Um, and then I think that Spurs are probably going to try to make a late push. And also, you know, if Liverpool manages to bring in some signings in, in January for their back line, I think that the second half of the season um, could be could be a really good one for them if they if they get everybody healthy with Firmino and and Mane and, and they, you know, get some some um, cohesion inside the team. I think that Liverpool can make a pretty good push. So it's really going to come down to the wire at the end of the, uh, at the end of the season. At least when it comes down to that two, three, four, I don't think United's going to run away with the two. Um, I think these guys are going to be able to step it up, ramp it up, and and, and put pressure on United. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It'll be it'll be really interesting. Um, also, want to just give a shout out to uh, Shaq Moore. Have you guys heard of this guy? He's yeah. a left back. Yeah, he's a left back for Levante, an American kid um, playing. He's the first player to start a game in Spain since Oguchi Anyewu back in the early 2000s. He's hey. 21 years old. Uh, this is his second start in a row. He played. A, he actually played an okay game, um, but uh, his first performance was a much better performance. But, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. I think he's going to be someone we can look at to, to fill that left-back role with the with the USMNT. Yeah, yeah, we would have definitely gone into a couple podcasts coming up about, you know, the U.S. men's national team except for just the embarrassment that it has been pretty recently. Um, so (laughs) anyways, yeah, I know Marcus, we could talk for days about that and we, we, we do, but, uh, gentlemen, good to have you on tonight. Really appreciate you getting on, uh, upwards and onwards for here for the Reds and, and Marcus, nice to get a Chelsea perspective tonight. So really appreciate it guys. Thanks, Joey. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Take care guys. Talk on. Talk on. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com.